Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Optimove podcast. Today's episode is a part two to the episode we did about multiple sclerosis. You'll learn from Dr. Guild about what someone with MS can do and how they can move forward with their journey towards independence. I hope you enjoy this episode. So another important thing to think about with multiple sclerosis is cognition or the way the person thinks, the way the person problem solves, their memory, um, their ability to go on to one task and then get sidetracked. And then can they go back to the task that they were previously working on? Or do they just you know, go down one rabbit hole after another. And so these are kind of all the thinking types of uh, challenges that can happen with multiple sclerosis. It can happen for a number of different reasons. But again, but since multiple sclerosis is a um, affects the central nervous system, of course, the way the person thinks can be affected as well. And the way the person thinks can affect their ability to move and to move safely, to be able to remember how to move safely. Um, and that can result in hospitalizations and falls and everything else. In fact, the, um, the evidence well supports and our clinical experience well supports that the problems with cognition, the way the person thinks, they're in, if they can't remember, if they can't problem solve or sequence certain tasks properly, right? So these are the types of things that can lead to falls and, and uh, people end up in the hospital because they can't think and problem solve through or if they're impulsive. So if they're not able to recognize their physical deficits, will they you know, just pop out of the chair without thinking, I need to grab my walker? So are those sorts of things present? Um, and these are the sorts of things that can lead to a lot of problems. So the fortunate part is there are things that can be done. So there's great specialists out there that um, are phenomenal at specializing in this. And from my experience, these resources are not utilized enough. Um, so neuro neurological psychologists and speech therapists are um, most of the time your go-to people for cognitive training, the way that the person thinks. Uh, sometimes in uh, in some states, occupational therapists as well, but for the most part, neurological psychologists and speech therapists. And a neurological psychologist is going to be able to really give a thorough breakdown of what the cognitive problems are um, and how they really limit them. And so getting a great understanding of why is the person having problems remembering uh, certain tasks. It may not be as, as simple as just memory. It can also be uh, the problem of impulsiveness. It can be a problem of just rushing through things. It can be a problem of distraction. Um, it's not always as simple as memory when you're thinking about cognition. So cognition is very, very complicated. And the great news is there are phenomenal specialists out there that can go in depth and test um, someone's cognitive abilities. And if you read through the reports of neurological psychologists, I mean, the detail is just absolutely incredible. You get so much information um, once someone goes through an evaluation with a neurological psychologist. And then the implementation, you know, may, may or may not be the neurological psychologist. It might be a speech therapist, for instance. Speech therapists uh, do great evaluations and, and have uh, great insights as well into people's cognition. And those individuals, the the healthcare providers who specialize in cognition can then communicate with this physical therapist, the speech therapist, the families in order to help empower people to be able to move better, considering the cognitive component. Again, your, your physical therapist um, and your occupational therapists are going to have a good understanding of the cognitive component, but they may or may not be specialists as much as the neurological psychologist and the speech therapist. So being able to take these specialties together and work as a team interdisciplinary approach can be very, very powerful to empower uh, someone to remain active and independent in their homes and stay out of the hospital. Um, and it's 
you know, this sort of a problem is not just for older people, uh, younger people, especially if younger people have multiple sclerosis, it can result in injuries, especially head injuries. You know, you may not be worried as much about the classical um, older person falling and breaking their hip if you have a 35 year old with multiple sclerosis, but you definitely wouldn't be worried about head injuries. Um, and it's not to say that a 35 year old can't break a bone. Um, and the problems that go along with that, if you can imagine a 35 year old with multiple sclerosis who tends to, you know, just jump out of the chair, they break their leg. And then all of a sudden they're not supposed to put weight on one leg for eight weeks. What are you going to do with that? Um, especially when they come home, uh, or if they have a head injury. So then you throw a head injury where, which tends to lead to more cognitive deficits, more impulsiveness, on top of the multiple sclerosis that's already there with a young person. So these can be very, very challenging, very uh, scary situations. And so you want to prevent those falls as much as possible, uh, get ahead of uh, the physical challenges that tend to happen, look at it from a multidisciplinary approach um, because it's not just about the balance. It's not just about the vestibular system or it's not just about uh, safely walking with a walker. It's also addressing the cognition that goes along with it. So this is a very, very holistic and comprehensive thing. So ask your neurologist, ask your primary care doctor um, about cognition or neurological psychology or speech therapy, because um, if you're noticing that your loved one is just, they're not thinking, they're not problem solving, their memory is not what it was, um, there is a lot that can be done um, and that can be uh, dived into, if that makes sense. Um, and if nothing else, it's the family training, it's the family communication, the family understanding what's going on is very, very powerful. So then the frustrations that the family is experiencing with someone with multiple sclerosis, if they're being impulsive, if they're forgetting things, if they're not able to problem solve through things, and then the frustration that tends to happen with that, just understanding what's going on and having a specialist be able to say, this is why the person's doing this, this is why your loved one's doing this, can be very, very powerful for the family. And it may not, you know, it, there's there's always going to be the frustration there, but at least understanding the why is very, very powerful. And then, of course, the potential for treatment as well uh, to improve uh, the cognitive problems. Um, it can be improving their ability to problem solve and think in general uh, through proper training, or it might be compensating in some way. Okay, we need to set up the house environment like this, or we need to communicate like this. Uh, so a number of different things can be done uh, to help in this situation. So um, given all this, what you might be wondering, okay, what can be done from here? If uh, yourself or, or someone you love uh, has multiple sclerosis. So advocacy, I'd say is a big important uh, part of that. So having an, ad an advocate, what, you know, family or uh, another healthcare provider or uh, a friend, someone who's advocating for the person with MS is very, very powerful. Seeking these types of forms of alternative treatment. Uh, because if someone is put down the traditional healthcare path, in my experience, they don't get everything that they need. It takes a lot of advocacy by the family, uh, by by the advocate to find all the all the solutions that are out there uh, to empower people back to you know the safety the and the independence that that's needed and that they want uh, and even to slow the progression of, of MS as well. Uh, of course, moving we've talked about this you know all throughout um, all all throughout the episode. It's 
important uh, to move, uh, to be physically active, to exercise, and that's going to help to decrease inflammation. It's going to help with strength and balance, improve mood, improve cognition. The more that we're moving and exercising, the better. Uh, the exercise uh, by itself, regular exercise by itself, helps to reduce a lot of the symptoms that come with MS, the fatigue, the spasticity, the pain, uh, all these different symptoms that individuals with MS experience regular exercise by itself. We know this, uh, what we experience with our clients. And we know this from, from the evidence that regular exercise by itself helps to reduce these symptoms. And then even more powerfully, once you find the root cause of the movement problems themselves. So, you know, is it a, uh, is it a quad weakness issue? So the person's not straightening out their knee as they walk, so they don't walk normally. And as well, think about how much the person might have been compensating for a long period of time. So maybe uh, their, the, their quadricep muscle, the front of the thigh that straightens out the knee. So that, that knee is supposed to be straight when, it, when you walk, correct? A lot of compensations might be coming up from the hip or from other, just using mechanical leverage from the body. And so we develop these very elaborate movements and people go all throughout their lives for years and years and years developing these compensation strategies. So it can take time then to kind of peel away the compensation strategies to get the person to move as normally as power, as, uh, as much as possible. So it can be very much appealing away of the onion and Consider the fact that a lot of times people have probably had multiple sclerosis for several years before they even saw, let's say, the first um, flare-up of MS or uh, before the symptoms started piling up to the point where they saw something was wrong or before they went into a healthcare provider that saw something and said, "Mm, let's get this checked out. And then the diagnosis uh, can, sometimes it can happen very quickly, but sometimes it can take um, a very long time, months or years, uh, to get the right diagnosis. And then consider the idea that the person has likely had had MS for a very long period of time, possibly into their teens and 20s. What types of compensations have they developed over the years? What types of weaknesses have occurred? What types of problems have developed over the years? What types of injuries from falls or... um, or anything else. So uh, it's very much looking at the root cause of the problem, what's causing the problems with movement, the problems with walking, the problems with mobility. These things can be figured out. Now, a lot of them can be corrected. Some of them can be made better. And that some of them may not be able to be made better. But if a large amount of them can, then that can be very powerful. And of course, that doesn't um, even consider, you know, braces and, uh, uh, assistive devices and things like that, that, that can be used uh, to help. So, uh, movement is powerful. Uh, finding the root cause of movement problems is very, very powerful. And again, consider, um, a lot of people have been likely been going years and years and years with multiple sclerosis, um, with more subtle signs that, uh, before their diagnosis. So these things uh, pile up over time. So basically, you know, don't stop at just the the primary care and the neurologist. The medications are very important and take the medications very seriously. Stay up to date with your neurologist. Um, have a build a good relationship with your neurologist. Um, find a great neurologist that you can develop a great relationship with and rapport with and um, be on top of the medications and really work with your neurologist on the medications because the medications are very, very powerful uh, to help uh, reduce the 
or even halt the decline of multiple sclerosis. Again, it's about reducing inflammation. And so on that note, it's a very holistic approach. So it's changing uh, one's diet, and that's been shown to be very effective as well. Uh, removing foods uh, that cause inflammation, such as sugar, such as white bread, white rice, um, anything that comes out of a box or a bag that's not just pure whole ingredients. Now, fortunately, uh, we're seeing now that a lot of companies have figured this out, that consumers want to buy things in a box or a bag that is only pure ingredients. And so that's another fortunate part we're seeing in, uh, in our culture right now. So if you're going to buy something out of a box or a bag, look at the ingredients. Is it actual whole ingredients and that's it uh, versus a bunch of processed stuff? If you don't recognize what it is, if it's not a food, um, it's probably going to increase inflammation. So uh, stay away from processed foods, stay away from sugar um, and anything that's going to spike insulin. All that's going to increase inflammation and progress the decline of, of MS. Staying on top of the medication is going to help with decreasing inflammation. And then also exercise, exercise, exercise um, dramatically helps with decreasing inflammation. And of course, stress and sleep and everything else. So decreasing inflammation overall is going to be helpful to slow the decline of MS. Um, so a lot can be done. And you know, like a lot of things, you know, I see a big gap in the healthcare system. But again, that's where the advo- advocacy comes in um, by the families and friends, um, advocacy by healthcare providers, um, and finding ways to find solutions for the problems that you're seeing. Don't just accept that this is this is the way it is. There are a ton of things that can be done with with multiple sclerosis, and even the most proactive, uh, well seeking advocates are, have probably not found everything there is, uh, to help with multiple sclerosis. So keep looking, keep researching, uh, keep, uh, consuming content, keep, uh, listening to great healthcare providers and keep looking for solutions because more can be done, um, in a lot of different areas. And I think from just from listening to this podcast, you get an idea of all the different angles that one can, uh, approach to address the problem of, of MS. Um, so again, don't forget that a lot of people have been compensating for for many many years with these problems whether it's their thinking whether it's the way that they move um and things have likely oftentimes been spiraling out of control uh for a long time either in the form of decline or falls or just the way that a person moves um and then the time it will and effort and focus it will take to to peel away that onion to get the person to move um as as optimally as possible so that they're more efficient so that their fatigue is less so that the risk of falling is less so that they can get back to the things that they want to be able to do in their life. Um, if they want to, you know, go out and uh, have dinner with their family again, either with or without a walker, if they want to go traveling again, if they want to go play golf, tennis, uh, fishing, what do they want to do? Do they want to go on vacation again? Um, do they just want to be able to get through the day without being so exhausted? So a lot of things can be done, um, in order to help people. So, so you might think how can, where, where to start? So this is a lot of information. How can I get started on this journey? So you might start with what are the main one or two things that you really want to accomplish? Is it to be able to walk into a restaurant safely uh, with your family and to go out to dinner? Is it to be able to just walk around the house and to be able to walk from the house to the car uh, safely and go to work uh, safely? And that's it without falling. 
focus on the key main couple things that you want to accomplish. It might be because you notice that your walking has changed and you want to walk as normally as possible again, as efficiently as possible again, because, you know, again, looking at this, you see that the fatigue that you're experiencing might have a lot to do with the way you're walking again, because an inefficient walking can increase fatigue. So is it just looking at that? So find the first couple things that you want to accomplish that can make a big impact and try to begin to solve that. And very importantly, don't forget, so if you have MS, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all downhill from here. People can and do on a regular basis improve and gain physical abilities, gain in cognition. Um, They'll have a flare-up and then they can actually improve after that flare-up, right? So again, it depends on the individual and depends on the type of MS. But focusing on getting better, being up on your medications, addressing inflammation, moving as much as possible, finding the root cause of movement problems. And there's a, such a thing of as neuroplasticity, right? So basically we can rewire the brain based on the way that we move, based on the way that we think the brain, the brain is very, very malleable, even at, as adults. And let's say if someone's had a brain injury, if they've had a stroke, if they have multiple sclerosis, just because that, you know, we'd use the term lesion is there, right? Um, just because there's been an insult to the central nervous system doesn't mean that has to stay fixed. It's not, it doesn't have to stay permanent. It certainly presents a lot of challenges, but the brain can rewire, can reform, can reconnect in ways that are absolutely astounding. And the more research that comes out of this, um, uh, it shows us how much the human brain, um, as adults is able to improve, um, whether it's stroke, multiple sclerosis, doesn't matter. We can rewire, reconnect our brain. The key is consistent stimulation over time, the right stimulation in the right way, and the central nervous system does connect, it does rewire, and that's kind of the physical neurological mechanism, if you will, uh, towards uh, progressing and being able to move better, be able to think better, and getting your life back. But overall, movement, empowerment, advocacy and getting out and living your life again as much as possible. Very, very important. And, and hope of course is, is very powerful, but getting out, living your life as much as possible, as safely as possible and a little patience and taking it step by step by step, focusing on a couple key objectives that you want to accomplish that, that are in reach. And then you can also think about what's beyond that. Cause there is a lot that Uh, is beyond that. And we see this all the time with our clients. We know this is possible because we see it all the time. So very, very powerful things that can be done. So, um, and of course, finding the root cause of these problems, whether it's mobility problems, thinking problems, um, the root cause of the problem is often a key to progressing back to the things that you want to do in your life. Hey, everybody. This is the producer, Anmar here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. If you want to subscribe to the Optimove podcast, head to www.podcast.optimovedfw.com. That's where you'll find links to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, that's www.podcast.optimovedfw.com. To learn more about Optimove, our practice, go to www.optimovedfw.com. And lastly, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, give us a call at 214-712-8242. That's 214-712-8242. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.